Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 68 with our guest, Madeline Lamberg. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thank you for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today is a world traveler who, a couple years ago, decided to settle with her partner in the small tourist town of Collingwood, Ontario. Since moving there, she has launched her own business and has grown it to over $50,000 in monthly revenue. Not too shabby, as they say. Her company, Content Refined, is a complete end-to-end content marketing company. I, for one, love all of this already. Help me welcome our guest. It's Madeline Lambert. How you doing, Madeline? Great. Thank you. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. So a couple of things um, jump out here, which I love. Um, why, why the decision to get up and travel and relocate to this small town? That's a great question. Well, um, I guess it's because I was living in Toronto and uh, Toronto is a super, have you ever been there? Have you ever visited it? I have, yes. Oh, okay, great. Um, so as you know, it's a, it's a pretty busy city. It's got lots of traffic. It's um, pretty expensive to settle down there actually. Um, like the housing market is in an, a bit of a crisis there right now. So unless you're making like, millions of dollars a year, you're probably not going to buy a house there. (laughs) Um, And if you are, it's going to be like way out in the middle of nowhere in like the suburbs. Um, So at a certain point, um, I just kind of wasn't loving the the lifestyle anymore. You know, it it was not exactly where I wanted to be um, at that point in my life. Uh, And yeah, I decided I I had been doing... um, like actually long distance with my uh, husband for a few years. Um, And we were doing like the big commute and stuff on weekends. And so we just decided at a certain point that it would be um, better for lifestyle, better financially to settle in a smaller town and sort of um, put some roots down elsewhere. So looking at the whole entrepreneurial lifestyle, you, you left your then current job behind. Did you, 
did you know what you were going to do, how you were going to survive going forward? No, not at all. So I was actually pretty stressed about it because, um, you know, I was leaving a secure job where I was getting a a good paycheck on a monthly basis um, for really the unknown. And so that was, uh, that was really intimidating and and a big sort of obstacle to jump over. Um, But I'm glad that I did it. And I guess my biggest concern was that, you know, it's a small town. There wasn't a huge amount of like job opportunities up here. I mean, I didn't know very many people. Um, and you know, in small towns, sometimes you need to know people to, to land a job. So, uh, yeah, I, I felt pretty intimidated by the whole thing, but I took a leap of faith, um, came up here and, uh, and started networking a little bit and met the right people and, and the rest is history. Now, what is that history? Did you prior um, have your own business? Have you ever owned your own business? Did no. you think that that was going to be the possibility? No, not at all. So I had been working for like a startup company in Toronto, which had really exposed me to entrepreneurship for the first time. Like I was watching um, this this guy build his business and I was sort of a, a player in that. Um, and I was definitely like an employee in that in that scenario. Um, but I was able to sort of like witness somebody like build their own business. And I saw all the moving parts sort of come together and I, and I, it really clicked with me and I understood it. And so I guess that was like my first point of exposure to, to business and entrepreneurship, um, and where it kind of clicked with me. Um, so that's sort of where I got the, my first little taste of it. Um, and then, so I guess when the opportunity uh, came up here in Collingwood um, to partner up with somebody and, and start a business. Um, I kind of had the tools in the toolbox to to sort of understand what would have to go into it, what kind of foundation um, we would have to lay to sort of build a, a solid business um, because I had already kind of helped somebody do that elsewhere. Um, so, so yeah, that's sort of how it all came together and and how I knew how to do it, if that makes sense. It does. Um, I'd like to find out how you got now, um, jumping to current day, you do in excess uh, of 50,000 monthly revenue. What's responsible, big picture, for making that happen? What's in place that has allowed you to do that? That's a great question. So a couple things. Um, I think, A, the fact that um, the fact that we really, really focused on, on laying that foundation. So really created strong, um, SOPs, uh, really outsourced things quickly as soon as we could, um, so that we could move on to other like business development things. What are Um, SOPs? Uh, yeah. Standard operating procedures. So for example, for example, um, like, how to write content, you know, once we figured out how to write really great content, what tools to leverage, what, um, what goes into creating great content, package that up into like a little SOP standard operating procedure and hire somebody to do that. So we have an inventory of over, over 60 content writers that all use the same SOP so that we're, we're really creating consistent quality content based on the research that we've done, um, around like what, what is great content? 
Um, so it's in, in the same way that like, you know, McDonald's employees know how to make fries consistently across the board mm -hmm. because they have an SOP on, on like how long you put the fries in the deep fryer. It's the temperature. The temperature. Exactly. It's it. And the fries are going to turn out the exact same way across every McDonald's in the world because every single employee makes them the same way. So that's what we sort of do with content. <laughs> um, and, and so our belief is that if everybody follows like our robust, really good quality procedures, um, that, that the result will be great quality content every time. So let's take a step back. Just fill us in. What is the nature of your business? If we didn't allude to it already, you yes. are a, a content marketing company. What does that yeah. look like day to day? Yeah. So content marketing company. So essentially, um, if you don't know what content marketing is um, and you have a business, then you're probably in trouble um, <laughs> because content marketing is a very, very, very important piece of your marketing plan. And you may even be doing it without realizing you are yeah. engaging in content marketing. That's another element. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So content marketing can be a, a, an array of things. It can be, you know, video, it can be social media, it can be um, all that stuff. But Blog for, posts, yeah. Yeah. A and, YouTube uh, channel, sure. Exactly. And, but for the purpose of our, um, our product offering, we offer written content. So in the form of blogs, um, in the form of like long form articles, um, essentially that uh, for the purpose of driving traffic to your website. So what we do is we will take a look at your site, figure out who your target audience is, um, and then really work to, with different off the shelf, like content marketing tools. So keyword research tools, um, to figure out, uh, what keywords you should go after. Um, and then we'll create a content plan around those, that data, um, and then produce content according to that plan. I love um, my, I spent 10 years in this industry, in the, in the marketing, digital marketing, all kinds of content. So I'm fascinated by it. I love it. I, I admire it. Um, I get it. Um, I'd love your take on this. How do you balance the difference between quality and quantity? That's, that's a really great question. Um, so short answer is we've invested in this tool called Market Muse. Have you heard of it? I don't think so. So it's a really, really great tool which allows us to balance quality and quantity. So it will allow us to um, plug in a topic with a target keyword and it will scrape the internet um, for every single piece of content um, on the internet that has to do with that title and that keyword. And it will output a suggested word count and it will output a, a list of, um, of variations in terms of keywords that we should be using uh, within that context. In order to compete with those yes. top rankings, like if you want to show up high in the results, our algorithm through that software uh, dissects all of what's already ranking and shows you uh, a similar path. Exactly. And okay. will show us how to beat that top ranking. It um, will literally spit out like a URL that will be like, this is who you need to beat. Um, and then it will essentially give you uh, the tools um, in, in the form of keywords, in terms of variants, in terms of questions that you're, content should aim to answer. Um, and it will spit all that information out and allow you to build um, content based on that data. 
So, so the answer is, um, if, if, if I'm asking, uh, how do you balance quality versus quantity, meaning putting in the time to make this a legit quality piece versus the need to put out a regular piece, you're finding a happy medium that satisfies both? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We do believe that you should be, um, I mean, Google right now is looking for three things. They're looking for quality, mm -hmm. um, relevancy, and mm -hmm. consistency. And consistency mm -hmm. is a big piece of that. So you should be publishing um, content on a regular basis. Right. Without um, going too close to perfection in the way that it'll slow you down and become an impediment, right? Absolutely. And, you know, as, as much as people are, can get very attached to their content um, in terms of like the voice that they're trying to portray, et cetera, et cetera, um, usually on like big blogs, that doesn't, that stuff doesn't really matter. Um, you know, people are, are like looking to extract very um, specific pieces of information. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, obviously it depends on what kind of site you're running and whatnot and yeah. what kind of following you have. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, voice and yeah. stuff is not as important sometimes as right. people think. And it's also about knowing from the business person's point of view or the brand's point of view, it's also about knowing, um, who you're serving at what point in the buying cycle, right? Are they in and they uh, looking for information, right? There's that whole uh, journey, but I love how you put it that uh, people are just looking for usually a quick piece of information, but yeah. knowing where they are in the buying process is important, right? Absolutely, and making sure that you're targeting the right keywords throughout that buying journey as well um, to, to really like hone in on, on the target audience there. Mm. So now I want to switch. Um, well, before we leave that, what is your day-to-day uh, -day role? I know you're the founder or co-founder of this company. What do you do day-to-day? -day? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I'm just back from mat leave. So I was uh, busy raising my child for the last uh, few months. But um, at work uh, on my day-to-day, -day, right now I'm doing a lot of business development stuff. Um, I'm doing some sales, uh, which, is, which is fun. Um, I'm creating a marketing uh, strategy for our uh, for the business because like we really haven't spent much time implementing um, implementing one that's hilarious because we're a content marketing company so you'd think that our own content marketing would be like really really legit but never. it hasn't been never it's always <laughs> the case it's always the case yeah it's always the case um, so we're we're really that's sort of what I'm working on right now is making yeah. sure that uh, you know our marketing strategy. Um, content marketing strategy, our email marketing strategy, um, our, our like paid advertising, our social media is all sort of congruent. Mm. So, so you, um, you have a, uh, a seven month year old son, first time mother, right? Congratulations. I do. Thank you. How beautiful is, is being a parent? It's the best. It's so cool. It's like, it's like you, you, yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, um, it's like you've created this little human with your favorite human and it just becomes like this super favorite human. You know what I mean? It's crazy. What, a, what <laughs> an idealistic way of looking at things. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine if everybody did feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, we, I feel very lucky to be able to feel that way. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I'm just 
yeah. in awe of what, what we've created. It's so fun. Now you take pride also in the, the processes behind your business that in part, not only got it to succeed uh, in, in, in revenue numbers, but allowed you to step back for a few months. Yeah. How did you, uh, how'd you accomplish that? Yeah. These are great questions. I feel like, I feel like you're, you're really nailing it here with the questions. Oh, I, so. I'm sorry. Did um, nobody warn you? No, they're going to be really great questions. You're great. Oh, I'm sorry. Spread the word. (laughs) I ask really great questions. No, you're great. So, um, speaking of, of babies, um, my pregnancy was probably the best thing that could have happened to the business, um, because it really, really forced me to get my shit together. Um, so he, uh, um, happened to, he happened to happen a little earlier than we expected. Um, so it really forced me to like take a big step back and be like, okay, we have a ticking time bomb in nine months. There's no delaying this process. Like there's <laughs> no, no pushing back this, do- like, this I know. deadline. I love um, that. Yeah. And how am I going to get to the, the business to a point where um, it's going to be okay without me? Because, you know, it was really important for me to step away and have that time, that dedicated time to him, you know? Um, so, so yeah, that really, really forced me to, to take a step back, look at the business, see where it was currently. That was like last October. Um, and then see where it needed to be in order for me to take that time away. Um, and so I created like a, an org chart, um, which at that point was like, I was splattered all over it. Um, and I knew that if I were going to step away that I couldn't be splattered all over it. So I need to, I needed to fill those roles and I needed to outsource some stuff and get stuff off my plate. You said outsource a couple of times. I love that concept because I feel like entrepreneurs too often, especially in the beginning or those still working alone, wearing all the hats, Mm -hmm. not, not the best approach, right? No, no. And it can be like, um, it, it can sink your business. I think like, I, I think that it can really keep you bootstrapped into, um, into situations and positions that you have outgrown. And, um, you know, I think people have trouble with control as well. Um, you know, Oh, I can do it better myself or, or, Oh, it's just easier if I do it myself. Like that's a common entrepreneurial bootstrap, um, that, that I hear all the time. Um, but I, I never really felt that way. I just always felt relieved when I was able to outsource something. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. So let's, um, let's connect the dots a little bit and go back to, to the beginning. You growing up as a child, paint that picture for us. What was life like? Life was great. Okay. So my mom always called me her spirited one, um, her spirited child. So I, uh, (laughs) I think that was a nice way of, of, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. To say what? To say that I was a little shit for sure. (laughs) Um, yeah, I wasn't really the best student. I didn't listen. Um, looking back, I, I honestly probably had some sort of like form of ADHD. Um, probably. Uh, and yeah, I just wasn't really interested in, in following, following rules or yeah, school wasn't really, I got kicked out of school a couple of times. It was just, wasn't my, my forte. Mm. I was spirited. I was busy doing other things. Like what? 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 What'd you have your focus on? What did I have my focus on? I had my focus on sports. 
I was, uh, I was a very sporty kid. I would rather be on the soccer field than, than in school. I was a runner. Um, I just liked being outdoors. Like I, I remember literally sitting at my desk when I was a little kid and like shaking, looking outside and wanting to be outside so badly. I was just like not into, yeah. And in retrospect, it was probably like something that I would be diagnosed with like ADHD at this point. (laughs) Like literally shaking at my desk, needing to needing to get outside. And then uh, uh, entering uh, teenage years and middle school and high school, still no interest. Not a huge interest. Then my my uh, my interests uh, were a little different. You know, I started being interested in boys and wanting to party and go out and break all sorts of rules. So yeah. I, I, oh, same, the same sort of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Same sort of stuff. Just like graduated to an older category. My mom, my mom always said that her main goal between the ages of like 15, 15 and 18 were just to keep me alive. Um, That's hysterical. Yeah. 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 And then my dad said that he hated me and all of his girls um, between the ages of 13 and 18. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause, cause I have a five-year-old now. So, um, oh, good luck. I, yes. I've heard. <laughs> um, I, 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 people have told me over and over again that these are the easy years, no yes. matter what you think these are, these are the simple years. And, uh, admittedly they have gotten more simple as I've gotten, uh, more healthy. Imagine that, you know, the Imagine first part that. of my children's life, I was, um, not as healthy. Um, yeah. I, a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of tears. Right? Oh, yeah. Crying, you know, crying in the corner because yeah. nobody's listening and it's just getting more and more out of control. And then it turns to maniacal laughter because you go. just can't believe what's <laughs> happening. Hey, you'll get there. Maybe. Yeah. I guess. I guess yeah. everybody gets there. It's just so funny. But, but now it's all good and it's all wonderful. And I, 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 I embrace and appreciate all the ebbs and flows, all the ups and downs. But people say, these are the easy years. You guys got it easy. Just wait. Right. Yeah. Damn. Wait till the teenage years. You, how many siblings do you have? I have two sisters. So we were three, three girls. Oh, wow. Yes. See, my, my parents would have, um, would have preferred that. They have three sons. And uh, ah. n- never had the daughter. My ah. mom always, always hoped I was her third and final that I would have been the daughter. So oh. it, it shan't, it is not meant to be. Not meant to be. There so, we go. So I do the best I can as the, uh, <laughs> as, as the son. What could I say? Uh, as the son. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what about um, a career in college life? What were you working towards there? Right. So. I guess it was like in my final year of high school where I was like, man, I should probably bunker down and start learning some shit because like, I don't want to be a kind of high school dropout Mm. and I want to be smart. And so I I guess when it became like within my best interest to be smart, then I started to be smart. Um, And, and that's when I sort of hunkered down, got into a a good university um, and, uh, and yeah, did my university studies in Ottawa, Ontario. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, I guess, when I started getting a little bit more serious um, about life (laughs) in general. Um, So yeah, that would be when I was probably 18, 18, 19 is when I uh, went to university and uh, kind of grew up a little bit. 
Mm. I love that um, you you acknowledge that you got a little more serious about academics. I was the exact same way. Uh, resisted, yeah. did not appreciate any sort of schooling, um, a C and D student at best, until later in life I realized, you know, even post-college and all that, I'm like, you know what? Um, education is sort of important. I got to sort of take things on myself and learn what yeah. I can learn to, to put myself in the best possible position to succeed. Totally, totally. And I think that university also, um, like, they don't hold your hand. They don't tell you how to do things. So I was able to sort of, um, t like, process my learning in the way that I wanted to um, and, and apply my, like, knowledge um, to, like, my assignments in the way that I knew how to on my own terms. So I feel like the, the sort of regular stream of, of education is like very, 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 um, uh, how do I explain this? Like, I feel as though I maybe had a different like mind when it came to learning and that it wasn't fostered well in, um, in the regular mainstream education, um, that, that are in elementary schools and in high schools. Um, so when university came along, um, I, the learning was sort of like left up to me. And so I, I was able to, to figure things out on my own terms and um, apply it to my assignments on my own terms. And I think that's what allowed me to do well. Hmm. Now you are um, pretty early on in your role of motherhood. I am, uh, yeah. So uh, as much as you can speak on it, how do you see the difference in work-life balance pre-child and post-child? Oh, that's a great question. So pre-child, I would say that I probably worked more. <laughs> like I probably worked on the business more um, because I, I just kind of had more time. To do that um, now, I still work on the business a lot, but it's scheduled time. Like I, I schedule the time for that, and I schedule the time for um, for my family, um, and I think that's really important. Or else, you start to have like competing um, factors for your time. Mm -hmm. And so, if it's clearly in my schedule that from like eight to three, I'm working on the business and my baby's in childcare um, during that time, like that is scheduled time. And then between sort of three and seven, I'm not looking at my emails. My phone is away. I, I'm with my baby. I'm at home. I'm having, I'm playing with my baby and hanging out with my husband and that's what we're doing. So important. Yeah. And so important. And I think a lot of people might get, um, might get the, like might try to do both at the same time. And I think that's where like resentment might come in, you know, like I don't mm -hmm. want um, my husband or my baby to feel like I'm ignoring them because I'm staring at my phone, trying to respond to as many so emails true. as I can, so you know, true. and I don't want to feel like I've missed out on moments because I've been paying attention to my phone or my computer rather than to my baby or my husband, you know? So I, yeah. I think that really scheduling time for um, equally, well, I, I don't say, I won't say that my business and my family is equally important. My family's always going to win. Um, but 
they're two very important factors in my life and, and making sure that you're scheduling fair time for both is important. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my daughter is five now and, um, I'm very aware these days, especially of being so fully present to her and for her and with her that on the rare occasion when I, um, I do have my phone or we're interacting and I, uh, I feel my phone or I'm on my phone, she'll occasionally say, daddy, put your phone away. Yeah. And then it becomes just heartbreaking because, you know, she, she gets perceived it. Yeah, she's aware. She knows, and it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm, I'm here with you. Why am, you know, I don't want her to have that impression. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like with small babies, they're doing tons of studies right now on the like uh, psychological effects that like the the way we use technology around our kids is mm. having an impact on them. And and I I don't want um, the way I use technology to to fuck up my kid. Mm. You know what I mean? Which is supposed Sorry, to be, I uh, supposed uh, to, am I not supposed to swear on this? Well, um, we'll say, um, <laughs> uh, which is supposed to be a, um, a, uh, a benefit, a help to our lives, but usually always just gets in the way. What are you hearing, reading or learning about the, what does that mean? The way we use te- technology. So, so exactly that, like not being present, um, when you're with your kid, if they feel, um, like apparently there's all sorts of like behavioral issues that are coming out mm. later in, in life because they've literally been half ignored, um, through like their entire lives. Right. Um, I've read a study, uh, like while I was breastfeeding, um, that, you know, mothers who are breastfeeding and staring at their phone rather than making eye contact, mm. um, is having huge effects on the way that, um, babies are able to, um, create, uh, connections and relationships with people um, because that, that eye contact is so important, um, especially in the beginning in, in like, yeah, the beginning um, and to make sure that you're, you're really creating that bond and connection with your baby. Cause really that's, that's, they learn everything. So if they're learning how to create a strong bond with you through eye contact and you're not giving that to them because you're staring at your phone, um, that's, that's a big problem. And that, that can lead to like lifelong, issues. So, hmm. so yeah, I was very aware of and cognizant of that when I was breastfeeding. Yeah. Wow. So much, so much there. And I, I, we probably don't even know all of the effects because there a lot of them are just starting to happen. Exactly. Exactly. So, hmm. um, so yeah, I try to be really aware of that and, and not, um, use my phone around him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's probably a, uh, Good choice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, so now you are raising this, this child, running this business. How, your, your company is only two years old? Yeah, two and a half years old. Two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know if I asked this question exactly, but I want to I hear it again um, if, if I did. Uh, so what's responsible for getting your business to that, that monthly revenue level? Um, I would say that um, getting pregnant because it forced me to, to get the business ready for me to sort of step away. Um, and by doing that, I was able to um, scale without, uh, without breaking the business. 
Um, so, so the way the business works right now is that if production is high, we have, we have that, those staff, um, we have that inventory of writers. Um, everybody's sort of like, we have maybe four like core team members, but everybody else is a contractor. So if we have work for them, great, they get paid. But if we don't have work for them, we can scale back and we're not like, so, so our margins are, um, are scalable, which is great. Um, and so we've built the business that way and, and that, that makes it a profitable business, you know? Um, and yeah, so what else is responsible for that? So yeah, well, that's actually, enough. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's what's <laughs> responsible for it. The, the brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, I, yeah. I founded it on the basis of spending a lifetime hiding behind fear and seeking the approval of everybody else, suppressing and avoiding all my own power, ability, and skill um, in exchange for uh, giving fear the win. Can you tell us about a time that you were living in fear and had to work through it. Yeah, for sure. So, um, living in fear and had to work through it. So, at the beginning of this business, I was like the only, I was I was running the show. I was the project manager. I was the writer. I was the editor. I was the mm. publisher. I was the only wow. person here really i had john who's my business partner but wasn't doing any of the um stuff in the business um so yeah i was terrified of getting clients feedback because i was so scared that it was going to be negative and that it would mm. affect my my confidence um well, i love that by the way you didn't yeah. want to get the feedback go ahead yeah. And so I was, whenever I would submit those articles, I would, I would have like a fear of getting those response, like a response. Every time I saw like an email come in from the client, I was like, Oh no, like I don't even want to open it because what if it says something bad? And if it says something bad, then my confidence will get shot and I won't want to do this anymore. This is fascinating. Go ahead. Yeah. So that, that was my fear. Um, and so I think that's what led me to outsource things so quickly because I didn't want to feel like if there was negative feedback that it was like attacking me personally. Um, yeah. So I imagine that I can totally relate to that because I'm going to assume that you knew deep down that, that what you were putting out was valid, worthy, um, skilled, was competent, right? Was, 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 was wonderful, right? It, yeah. Yeah. You knew that. Yet, you also knew you couldn't control the reaction or motivation of others to, to give the feedback. Even if you said, hey, this is a quality, quality piece. I know this. However, it's out of my hands. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, all it takes is like a couple of negative comments about stuff that you've worked hard on um, to to really take a beating on your, on your confidence. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I had a couple of articles that I submitted that I'd worked hard on that I, that I got responses back being like, did a native English speaker write this? And I'm like, Oh my God, I freaking grew up in Canada and have like, I went to university in Canada. Of course, a, a, like I am, mm. this is my first language, you know, <laughs> like that, that was kind of, uh, 
my, my first big, like, yeah. Um, issues, I guess in the business was, was, was that. So it's interesting because again, I could totally relate in my own uh, circumstance to what you just said. And it's almost like, I mean, with, okay, so in that example, you wrote the article, you are <laughs> natively speaking, and you, you gave it your best, you, you submitted it with confidence. It's almost looking back that that comment has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with the article that you submitted, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And like, I mean, um, now having worked through that and having like an inventory of writers that are probably much better writers than I am, we still get those comments mm. all the time because people are looking for freebies, you know? Um, and so, yeah, from time mm. to time, we will still get comments like that. And I'll look through it through the article myself and, and I'll be like, no, 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 no. Like this is perfect. Right. This is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's not necessarily a reflection on you or a no. reflection of, of the work that you're doing or the service that you're yeah. providing. It's a reflection of the person who's really the, the end. Correct. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And, and it's interesting because you just gave one example of a possibility. Uh, maybe the person is looking for a freebie, but it's also maybe the person is insecure and just needing to exercise. Absolutely. Their- Right. What am I saying? Exercise their control, their control or dominance. Or I, yeah, dominance. Right. I'm the client. I'm paying you. You work for me. All of that. All of that. And, and you know, and and like God forbid, you submitted it and they read it and said, "My goodness, you are amazing. This is absolutely perfect. Thank you so much." God forbid. Imagine <laughs> that response. Imagine uh, that. Yeah, but hey, but, we know. do get that response all the time as well. I'm but, sure you do. Yeah. And, and we are just talking about a very yeah. specific type of person and situation. That, Absolutely. Again, I lived in that world for so long, client-based and, you know, feeling that I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to produce and uh, deliver something. And I winded up, I, I winded up, speaking winded of up. that, right, speaking <laughs> of that native English, I wound up um, looking for that, um, negative feedback, you know, not looking for it as in, oh my goodness, I hope I don't get it. I hope I don't get it. But then guess what? You wind up attracting it because that's your, that's where my energy was. That's where my confidence was a little bit less than where it is now. And you know, that's, that's the evil cycle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Psychology is an interesting thing. You think so? Human psychology is a very interesting thing. Yeah. What about it? Oh, just the way we, we think and react and, and um, process things and the energy that we put out and attract. And I, I think it's yeah. all very psychological and interesting. Yeah. And the how and the why we do all that. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah I, I'm always intrigued and looking down that path. Yeah. L- looking at a younger version of yourself. Yeah. What, what advice would you give that person? Oh, what advice, younger version of, what, what age are we talking here? Any age that you see you can impart some sort of wisdom on. Huh. Well, um, honestly, like I, I appreciate this question, but like, I honestly truly believe that 
everything in my life happen for a reason and I'm happy it did. Like, yeah, for sure. I could have avoided a couple of really shitty boyfriends. Like, yeah, I could have, but, but I wouldn't have become the person I am today. And like the, if I hadn't had those experiences. So honestly, I don't think I would change a thing. That's absolutely amazing. That's a fantastic answer. And it's funny you mentioned that because my next question is, do you, do you believe everything happens for a reason? Yes. And it sounds like you said yes. Yes, I, I, I truly do. And I think that um, like every big major life event, positive or negative, has gotten me to where I am today. And mm. I'm so happy. Like I, am, I'm, I wouldn't change a thing about my life. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways? I'm not religious um, at all. Uh, I respect people who are, and I respect religion. And I think that, that it's um, nice to have something to believe in that's bigger than you. Um, I would say that I'm leaning more towards the spiritual side a little bit. Um, I do think that, yeah, things happen for a reason. I do, I'm, to be honest, I'm not quite sure what I believe, um, but I'm, I'm interested in it and I'm trying to figure it out. Well, let me ask you this then. What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on earth comes to an end? That, that's a great question. I'm scared I'm going to get like eaten alive on Facebook if I, <laughs> if I say anything. Right. I, I have no idea. I like to believe that something that there's that you have like a spirit that lives on, even if your body doesn't like, I loved, I, I would yeah. like to believe that. I think that would give me comfort. Um, especially, you know, when people I, I love, um, pass, I think that would give me comfort. Um, but then you know, I, oh man, I'm, I'm scared. I'm really scared with what kind of feedback I'm going to get. From who? But Tell me more about that. that yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know how Facebook is. People get torn to shreds about, about this kind of stuff um, by like super religious people or, or no, people you're, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you're, you're in a safe space. <laughs> I'm in a safe space. Let's assume that. Okay. Um, but then, yeah, so I love to believe that. And I think that I, it would give me great comfort to believe that there's something greater than us. But then, you know, I'm driving down the road and I see like a, a, a dead squirrel on the side of the road. And I'm like, okay, is that, is that just what happens when we're, when we're gone? Like, are we, is it equivalent to like a dead squirrel on the side of the road? Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. I, I have no idea. What do hey. you think? These are great question. First of all, these are all valid uh, from you. Uh, like I said, safe space. Nobody's going to rip you to shreds. And if they do, it, it's fine. I'm here. Right. You're here. It's, it's all good. Um, and, and, and again, that's a reflection of them, isn't it? Right. Totally. You're saying. Um, I, I have a very spiritual take on it as well. I believe that we are uh, far greater than just this physical existence, that there mm -hmm. is a, uh, an energy and a uh, spiritual source within us that does continue on. Um, however, our, you know, what I always find intriguing about that take on it is that that, that still doesn't account for the fact that our current consciousness on this earth 
is going to cease to exist. That cannot be denied, right? We are right. once conscious and then we are no longer conscious in this physical realm. And that's sort of, um, while, I, while I firmly believe that, you know, the energy within and the, uh, the presence and the source energy and the spirit within lives on and carries on and continues to exist, the portion that saddens me, for lack of a better word, at this point in my life, is that, yeah, but this is no longer going to be. I'm going to miss this. For, you know, I can say what's going to be great and magnificent and wonderful going forward. Yeah, but this. Yeah. This yeah. is no longer. Totally. And, yeah. and, and maybe, and that's scary too, right? Yeah. Like, because yeah. there's so, like, especially when this has so much like joy and excitement and things that you wouldn't want to like miss out on. Um, it's yeah. scary to think that this would no longer exist. And so my, I guess my question is, do we, um, do we seek comfort in believing in the greater in sort of like the greater thing um, because we're scared. Absolutely. The answer is yes, I do. Um, yeah. And I never, I never was that way. I used to be scared out of my mind mm -hmm. about death and dying and what it means. And I used to lay in bed when I was extremely mentally and emotionally unhealthy and lost and just trying to comprehend the idea of eternity no longer being or existing in yeah. other words the idea of when you die it's forever and then it's done right and and what that time frame looks like used to weird me out i'm like i just can't wrap my head around the idea of forever yeah and, and no longer ever yeah but i was missing the piece of you know, faith and understanding and comfort of the the bigger presence that we are. Um, but that's that's where I was for a while. Just like, wow, that's just so strange. The whole concept was strange to me. I'm like, God, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, and then it drilling down, it comes down to, well, why are we here? What does it mean? What's the purpose? But so when right. you don't have those answers or don't look for those answers, it's very concrete and finite that when it's done, it's done forever. And regardless of what happens, it's, it, you are no longer here. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. And um, interesting also, my five-year-old, she's going to be six in June. So, you know, she's five and a half plus. Um, but she's starting to, like a couple days ago, she asked me, and it wasn't the first time, but uh, it was more, more directed. She asked me, um, what happens when you die? You know, like now those questions are starting yeah. to arise. She's like, um, I want to be with you forever. You know, so she's starting to like put things together. And yeah. it's, it's kind of sad that there's a, um, you know, from the parent point of view, seeing a five-year-old who's happy-go-lucky and, you know, experiencing life and all the emotions she has as a parent, I'm now realizing, huh, I'm gonna watch 
when the day comes when this incredible, beautiful five-year-old has the realization that life as she knows it isn't forever. Yeah. And trying yeah. to come to terms with that. Yeah. Or, and I wonder what age that sort of happens at. And yeah. Well, I mean, doesn't it, isn't it still happening for us? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it ever stops happening. And I think it's currently starting to happen for her. She's, you know, she, she's hearing about and trying to understand what it means. Wrap her head around it and, and yeah. figure it out on her own. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Good. There we are. There we are. Well, I will, um, I will leave you with this final question. Oh, sure. Madeline Lambert. Yes. How would you like to be remembered? How would I like to be remembered? I, like when I die? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. When I die, I would like to be remembered as, um, hmm, as like a happy go lucky, um, impulsive, um, impulsive human with great work ethic. <laughs> yeah. That's Period. how I'd like to be remembered. <laughs> Period. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Well, there you go. We've made it. We've arrived. We've arrived. This has been super fun. I'm glad to hear that. I agree with that. And hopefully uh, you got something out of it, Madeline. Our listeners got a little something out of it. I want to thank you for uh, sharing with us and going there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. It's been great. Thank you so much for, uh, for chatting and, and for asking like probative questions. It's been great. I appreciate that. And I appreciate everybody tuning in to listen or watch. We're going to do this again. Another episode of The Hidden Entrepreneur Show is coming your way. In the meantime, take one small step forward. Put something good out into the world. Create one small piece of action to move things forward. We're going to move things forward soon enough with another fantastic episode for you. Until we do, thank you for tuning in. Go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.